On the Pasuk, Vayakum Elachadosh HaMitzrayim, Asher Le'yodah Es Yosef, that a new king arises over Mitzrayim that doesn't know Yosef, Rashi quotes the words, Vayakum Elachadosh, a new king arises, and he explains Rav Shmuel, that Rav and Shmuel have different opinions. Chadomer, one of them says, Chadosh Mamash, it means an actual new king. Vachadomer, and the other says, Shenizchachuk Zeiroisov, that it only means that he had new decrees, but it's really the same king. Now, the source for this Rashi is in Gemara, but the, and the Gemara over there explains why we need to say these two Pirushim and what the advantage is in each one, what, why one is better than the other, and why each opinion holds what he does. So the Gemara says, the one who says that Chodesh Mamish, that it's actually a new king, because the Pasuk says the word Chodesh, Chodesh means new. On the other hand, the other opinion says that it's new decrees, because since the Pasuk doesn't say Vayamos Vayimlech, that the previous king died, and there's a new king ruling, which is the regular way how Torah usually describes it, that implies that really we're speaking about the same king. And even though Rashi only explains Pshutish mikra in this case he does bring to both Pirushim, because both of them are really coming based on what the Pshat, the simple words of the Pasuk. In other words, they're both forced by the simple words of the Pasuk. And with, with this we can also understand why Rashi actually quotes not only the word Chadosh in his Dibrah Maschil, but also the words Vayakom, Melech, Chadosh, because Rashi, although he's explaining the word Chadosh to mean either new, or that only his decrees are new, but it's the word Vayakom that's telling us why we have to say that it's actually the same king, because otherwise it should have said Vayimloich, as in the previous king that died and now there's a new king ruling, and the word Melech is of course going to force us to say that it means a new king, because it says Melech Chodosh, that means it is a new king, and that's why Rashi brings both Pirushim, but on the other hand we also understand why, Although, yes, there is an advantage in each one of these Pirushim, and each one has a certain difficulty that the other one doesn't have, and yet Rashi quotes the first explanation first, because as a number of times discussed already, that when Rashi brings two Pirushim, the first one is going to be closer to Pshutesh Mikra. And in this case, that is because simply the word Chodosh makes sense that it means that a king is a new king, rather than just decrees, where you're going to have to say that it's being called new, because the main thing of the king is he's giving decrees, and because he's giving new decrees, so he's being called a new king, a, simply a new king is closer to Pshut Mikra. Another point is, that according to the Pshat, that it's the same king, and just new decrees, that means that when the Pasuk says, further Asher Yoda. You're now going to have to say not that he doesn't know Yosef, but that he's pretending not to know Yosef, as the Gemara explains. In fact, we'll see that Rashi, when quoting the next words in the Pasuk, he says, Va'asher lo yoda, he adds a vav, and that he didn't know Yosef, didn't know Yosef. And Rashi explains he pretended not to know. Why is Rashi adding this extra vav to the words asher lo yoda? To emphasize that this is coming in continuation to his previous Pirush. Rashi just finished saying that it's the same king, but new decrees. Following from that, you have to say, Vasher Layada is going to mean that he only pretended not to know Yosef. Whereas, according to the first Pirush, that it is literally a new king, we could translate the words, Asher Layada, also simply that he actually did not know Yosef. Another point. The difficulty that we had with the first Pirush, which would be that it doesn't say the word Vayimloich, it doesn't say that previously a king died and now there's a new king ruling, could be 
reasonably easily answered by saying that the Torah is not actually a history book coming to tell us about the kings of Mitzrayim, only what's relevant to the Yidden, that they were suffering new difficult decrees, and therefore it's not so relevant about a previous king dying and a new king ruling, so it's possible that the Torah is only trying to tell us just the result, what's relevant to the Yidden, and that there's a king that's right now getting up against the Yidden with new decrees, and that could simply mean the words, Vayakam Melech And because of all of this, we can understand why the first Pirush, that it's actually a new king, is closer to Pshutish Mikra. The Rebbe says, based on this we can also explain, why it is that Rashi brings the names of the two opinions, Rav and Shmuel. As discussed a number of times, Rashi will only bring the name of someone who's giving a certain commentary, only if it's somehow answering a certain difficulty that an extra clever Talmud might have. Because in this particular case, the naming Rav and Shmuel is actually going to explain to us the reason for their machloikas. But before explaining that, the Rebbe says, number one, we have to say that Bapashta simply, when we have a machloikas, that the Gemara mentions first the names of who is arguing, and then says, Chadomar, one of them says so-and-so, and the other one says something else. So generally speaking, the name that was mentioned first, his opinion is going to be the one that's mentioned first. And the name who's mentioned second is the one whose opinion is going to be mentioned second. So in that, in our case, that would mean that if Rashi says Rav and Shmuel, and then he gives the two opinions, so the first thing Rashi is going to say is going to be Rav's opinion, and the second thing Rashi is going to say is going to be Shmuel's opinion. Says the Rebbe, we find in a number of machloikas in between Rav and Shmuel when they're explaining Psukim, and especially when the Gemara uses this term, Chad Omar, one says and the other says, we find what's called a lishitose, that each one is sticking to his same logical reasoning in all of these machloikasin. And that is, that the first one in each one of these sets of, sets of machloikas, that is Rav, is usually going to try to understand and translate the meaning of the actual word itself that we're translating, or the few words, rather than looking at the whole context and everything else going on around that passing, even though... It, this may cause a little bit of a difficulty to the, to the general point, whereas the second opinion, that is Shmuel, is always going to want to look at the more general picture of what's going on in those psukim, even if, according to that, the translation of the word won't be so smooth. So, for example, the Rebbe now goes through a number of examples in Torah. We have the story by Yosef, with the wife of Petifar. The Pasuk says, Yosef comes to his house to do his work. The Gemara says we have a machloikas, Rav and Shmuel. One says it means to do his work, malachto imamish, simply, is, it, literally his work, his actual work. And the other one says that he actually came in, to do his needs, which is a euphemism for the idea of that he came to be with the wife of Petifar. In other words, what's going on over here? The first opinion is saying, the Pasuk says that he came to do malachto, it means simply, let's translate the word, he came to do his work in the house. But if we look at the general idea of the Pasuk and the continuation of the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, that there was no one home, it sounds like the Torah is coming to explain what we mean by Malachta. What kind of work was he doing? He's coming to do the type of work that would need, that would demand that there should be no one else around. And that's why the second opinion says that it means that he came to be with the wife of Petifar. Or to say it in other words, if it wasn't for this idea that he's coming to be with the wife of Petifar, 
Certainly Yosef wouldn't come in a time when there's no one home if he had already known from before that she has been begging him and asking him for a while now to be with her. And so obviously if he is coming now in a time that's a private time, it must be that that's what he had in mind. Example number two. In Megillah Sester, we have the Pesach about HaShvedish ruling, The Gemara says again, a is between Rav and Shmuel. One says that Hoidu is on one side of the world and Kush is on the other side of the world. And the other says that really Hoidu and Kush are standing right next to each other. And the message of the Pesach is that just as Achashverosh is ruling over these two countries that are so close to each other. He obviously has the full power and might over them. In a similar way, with the same might and power, he's ruling over the rest of the world. The Gemara gives another example of a similar situation about Shloima Melech, where it says that he ruled Bechol Ever Hanor from Tifsach and Ad Aza. And again, the same exact Machloikas between Rav and Shmuel. What's the Machloikas? The same idea. The first opinion is saying, let's look at the word Ad. Ad is clearly coming to tell us that he's ruling from one place all the way to the other place, obviously trying to tell us some very, very big deal about two places that are far apart from each other, from one end of the world to the other. And the problem with this, however, is when we look further in the Pasuk, it says, Sheva Medina. He ruled over 127 countries, which that is the whole world, that's the, all the countries of the world that he was ruling over. So if that's the case, Mehoidu Viat Kush, cannot mean exactly the same thing, just two statements saying exactly the same thing, that he's ruling from one side of the world to the other, because then it's just redundant, it's just repeating itself. And this is why this opinion says that, no, the Pasuk is coming to tell you something else, that just like he ruled on these two countries that are so close to each other, with the same might and the same power, he's ruling over the whole world. Example number three. We have the Machloikas and the brother the Gemara brings just before the Machloikas of Vayakom Melechodosh. And they, they are, number one, Vayihibi Amrafel. It was in the times of Amrafel, the Pasuk says, Rav and Shmuel both argue. One says that the Machloikas is going to be that we're going to see in a moment that Amrafel and Nimrod are both the same person. Question is, what is his real name? So Rav and Shmuel argue. One says that his real name was Nimrod. Why is he called Amrafel? Because Amrafel is made up of the words Omar and Hippil. That means he gave an order to throw Avram Avinu into the fiery furnace. The other opinion says no. His name is actually Amrafel. Why is he called Nimrod? Is because he made the whole world rebel against Hashem. What's going on over here? The same thing. If we look at the simple translation in the first time when the Torah is speaking about Nimrod, the Kush Yoladas Nimrod. Kush has a son who's called Nimrod. So Nimrod then, let's translate it simply, like most of the names of the Torah when someone is given, both in this chapter in the Torah and the rest of the Torah, it's a name. We don't need to look at it for any reasons, so we just translate it simply. Nimrod is his name. Well, we will come later in the Torah to the same person and he's suddenly being given a different name. So now we need to say, if the Torah is calling him by a different name, there must be some name, that's some reason that's hinted in this name. And this is why the second opinion comes along and says, why is he called Amraphel? Because Omar Vehipel, because he gave an order to throw off Avram into the fire. So this would be, if we're looking at the simple meaning of the Psukim, we come to the first passage, he has a name. Later on we have a problem, so we look for a reason in that second name. 
However, if we go back to that first Pasuk about Nimrod, if we look at the general idea of what the Pasuk is saying, right after Vakushiala this Nimrod, the Torah starts describing about Nimrod's own rebellion against Hashem. The Pasuk describes how he's a, war, a mighty warrior, Lifnei Hashem, in front of Hashem, meaning he's trying to fight Hashem. People would say, can Nimrod give her tzayid Lifnei Hashem when they would want to describe someone acting in inappropriate ways? They would describe them and they would say, or acting like Nimrod, they would say he's like Nimrod, like a warrior, a hunter in front of Hashem. This is a, all of his, part of his rebellious aspect. And therefore, what does he say? From the fact that the Torah, right after giving the name Nimrod, is telling us about the name Nimrod, about his rebellion, you must say that the reason for his name Nimrod is actually based on those surrounding Psukim because of his rebellion. Later when we come to Vahibimei Amraphel, when we look in the Psukim around Vahibimei Amraphel, we don't find anything that the Torah should be specifying in a way that we should say that's the reason for the word Amraphel. So then we just say that's his name. And one more example that Ebbe gives. By the Ma'ores HaMachpelo. Rav and Shmuel, once again, are arguing. One says that Ma'ara Samachpelo, why is it called Ma'ara Samachpelo? There were two rooms, Shnei Batim, one inside the other, one further back than the other. The other opinion says that it was a cave. What's, why is it called Ma'ara Samachpelo? Because it was biased, it was like a room or a house, Va'aliyah, and a second story on top of it. So two floors, two stories. The Gemara goes on and asks, we could understand if it's two stories, one on top of each other, why it would be called Ma'ara Samachpele, that it's a double cave. But if it's just two rooms inside, why would it be called a double cave? So the Gemara comes up and says a different explanation. The reason why it's called, the reason why it's Ma'ara Samachpele is because it had sets, multiple sets of, 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 of burial sites, each one being of two, of two, bur- of two burial sites, multiple of such sets. Says the Rebbe here too, Rav and Shmuel are going according to the same system. If we want to look at the simple translation of the word Mo'ara Samachpelo, that means there is a cave over here that has something doubled about it. Then it would fit much more to say that it has double sets of graves. That's why it's called Machpelo, because of the, because of this um, idea of being doubled. And that fits more than saying that it's a house with an attic on top of it or a two stories within a cave. Says the Rebbe, especially that how does a cave work? Being that it's in the ground, so the two holes or the two caves in the ground are really not dependent on each other. Different to a house with a second story when it's two caves or a cave on top of another cave, they're not to do with each other. So why would it be called a double cave? And therefore, this opinion says, the first opinion rather, would say, the one that we said, Shnei Batim but eventually also translated that it means um, a double grave, that it has, sorry, that it has multiple graves inside of it. So that's why it would fit more to say that that's why it's called Ma'ara Samachpelah. But if we start looking at the general point again of the Psukim, it's very, very difficult to say that Avram Avinu was coming and asking over here for a place to bury Sarah that has multiple graves. Because, what's Avram doing? Avram is coming to beg these people. He's bowing down to them and he's begging them, please allow me to bury Sarah over here. And he says, Lig boires Macy. Macy is in Lashon Yachid, in singular. He wants to bury one person. And obviously he's trying to ease his pain over here. He's trying to beg them, please help me out of here. How would it fit that he's coming over here to ask for eight graves? 
And therefore, based on the general context of what's going on over here, it fits more to say, Ma'aras HaMachpelah is the location of this place that has this double cave inside of it, rather than asking for eight graves. In summary, so far what the Rebbe was saying is that in all of these machloikas, when we see that Rav, or the first opinion, is always focusing more on translating the actual word, and Shmuel is always trying to see how it fits in with the general context of what's going on. Says the Rebbe, based on this, we could seemingly explain also in our case. The Rebbe says, why is it that the Pasuk even says these words, Why doesn't the Pasuk just say, after speaking about the Yidin multiplying and increasing and getting stronger and so on, the Pasuk could say, the king of Mitzrayim says to his people, the Yidin are so many, let's outsmart them and so on and so forth. Why does it need to start off with this idea that there's a Melech well, how, how does it make any difference if he's a new king or not? And the reason simply for this will be, is because the Pasuk is coming to answer a very major question. How does it make sense that Parishakam makes such decrees on the people of Yosef, especially on the children of Yosef, after all of the tremendous things that Yosef had done for him and all of Mitzrayim? Says the Rebbe, this is why the Pasuk is saying, It's a new king, he doesn't know Yosef. And therefore it's not such a big deal, or not such a big chidush, that he's able to make these decrees against the Yidden. And in connection with this point, this is why Rashi brings the names of these two Amoiroim, Rav and Shmuel, which is going to clarify the difference and the advantage of each one of these two Pirushim, how again they are going according to the same style that we said before. The first opinion, which follows the regular way how it usually goes, is going to want to translate the word simply right here, Vayakam Melechadash, a new king arises. He's a new king. Asher Yodes Yosef means he didn't actually know Yosef. All in the simple sense of the word, and therefore he's not making all of these new decrees. However, when we look again at the general story in these psukim, this is very difficult to understand. Even if he's a new king, certainly he knew about what Yosef did. How he saved all of Mitzrayim, and everything that happened just one generation earlier. Especially that this decree Pari is making together with his people. The Pasuk says, By Yoimer Elamo, he says to his people, Let us outsmart the Yidden. Amongst them, there were certainly plenty of people that were there during everything that Yosef did and were saved because of Yosef. And therefore, in either way, we're going to have to say that Asher Yoda means that he's pretending not to know what's going on. Therefore, this second opinion comes along and says that no, the Pasuk is not just coming to tell you like, by the way, how is it possible that this Pari is making decrees is because he's a new king, but rather the Pasuk is coming to tell us something else according to this opinion. It's coming to actually bring out how wicked and evil Pari is in accordance to everything that we see in the following Psukim that the Torah is about to start telling us. That's what the Pasuk is trying to say of how terrible he is, that notwithstanding he knows what's going on, he's doing all of these things. And this is why the Pasuk, this opinion says that he's pretending He's the same king and he's pretending not to know what's going on, not to know Yosef. In this way, he's emphasizing even more the wickedness of Paroi, even though it'll be a little bit more difficult to understand the simple meaning of the words Melechadosh, which you then have to translate, Shenizchat Shuk Zeyroisov. Says the Rebbe, based on this, we could also explain another Machloikas that Rashi brings in the name of, of Rav and Shmuel. Even though... In the Gemara and the Medrash, according to our Girs, it's actually Machloikas between other Chachamim, but Rashi and Chumash brings Rav and Shmuel. 
And that is on the Pasuk Vayita Eshel Bevei Shava, speaking about Avram Avinu planting an Eshel. What is an Eshel? So again, Rashi explains the word Eshel by saying Rav and Shmuel have different opinions about this. One says it means Pardes an orchard to bring fruits to the guests at the meal. And the other one says Pundak Lachsanya means an inn, a hotel in which he had all sorts of food. Then Rashi has to go ahead and say, how does that fit with planting? We do find psukim where you could use the term planting even regarding a tent. Here's the same thing. If we want to look at the simple translation of the word vayita eshel, vayita is planting, so you would have to say it means an orchard of fruits. And that's the opinion of the first Manda Omar. However, the second opinion that says, let's look at the general idea of what's going on in the psukim over here. What happens as a result of Ayita Eshel Bever Shava? Avram Avinu is getting everyone to call out in the name of Hashem, as Rashi explains. And because of this Eshel, Hashem's name is being called by all the people. Then it makes more sense that we're not only speaking about a tree with some fruit, but rather an inn where people could stay. People could stay there for a longer period of time. It has all sorts of foods. This is going to be more fitting to this idea of trying to inspire the people to bench Hashem for all of these amazing good things, even though, once again, the word Vayita then won't be so simple, and we're going to need to have some sort of proof from other psukim that it could apply even to a tent. Says the Rebbe, up until here, we explained the opinions of Rav and Shmuel, and that would fit very, very well with the Gemara and Medrashim that bring these opinions of Rav and Shmuel. However, when we try to explain this for Rashi, it's going to be a little bit difficult to say that that's why Rashi is mentioning the names of Rav and Shmuel to explain that they are following these shittas that we were just explaining. Because if that would be the case, that every single time Rashi mentions one of these opinions of Rav and Shmuel in other places of Torah, Rashi should have also mentioned their names in those cases as well. However, we find that only in some of the places does the Rashi actually bring this idea that we have Rav and Shmuel, and that one says this opinion, one says that opinion. That's in the Pasuk that we mentioned before about Yosef, that he comes to do his work. We have it in our Parsha. But we have another other places where Rashi brings part of this, or some of this, and Rashi doesn't necessarily do the same thing like he does over here, and the Rebbe explains. First of all, in Parsha's Noyach, we have by Nimrod, the Pasuk that we mentioned before, that he started Leo's Gibor, he started being very mighty and strong. Rashi explains that Lahamrid he came to make everyone rebel against Hashem. And the truth of the matter is, Rashi is translating the word Gibor over here, very different to the way Gibor is usually translated. Gibor usually means physical might, and Rashi is explaining, no, in what way is his Gibor being expressed? The fact that he is making um, everyone rebel against Hashem. And where does that word rebelling come from? Lahamrid. Why is he using that term? Clearly because his name is Nimrod. Which seems to be that Rashi is going with this opinion, or at least mentioning this opinion, that he's called Nimrod because of this rebellion. When it comes in Parshas Lech, in Lech Lecha by Amraphel, there he says, oh, this is the same man, Nimrod, because, and he's called Amraphel because he gave the order to throw Avram Avinu into the fiery furnace which makes it sound like his name is Nimrod, and now he's being called Amraphel. So Rashi sort of brought both Pirushim, and yet he does not mention that one was said by Rav, and one was said by Shmuel. In the case of the Ma'ara Samach Pelo, Rashi brings both opinions. He says, He says it was two stories, 
Another explanation says Rashi, that it had these double burial sites. Rashi does not say that it's a Rav and Shmuel and that one says one and one says the other. When it comes to Megillas Esther, in Kush, Rashi is explaining Pshutishal Mikra and he only explains and he only uses one of the interpretations. He only uses the second interpretation. And he doesn't bring at all the first interpretation. In other words, he only brings the explanation that they were near each other. He does not bring the explanation that they're on two ends of the world. Rashi also does not mention the name of who is the one saying this opinion, that it was Shmuel. And therefore, says the Rebbe, we must say that in those places where Rashi brings the names of Rav and Shmuel, it's not in order to, expl- to, to explain this idea that we discussed till now, that these are going following these opinions. Do we discuss only the meaning of the individual word that we're focusing on? Or looking at the general picture. But there must be some other theme that Rav and Shmuel argue about a different Lishitase, which will apply only in these few places where Rashi does mention them by name, or alternatively to somehow answer a question that the Talmud Mamullah, that the extra smart Talmud will ask in this particular case. So the Rebbe explains. When we come to the Vayakom Melechadosh, a new king arises. Simply, as we said before, it's coming to bring out the absolute wickedness of the king of Mitzrayim. When he comes along and says, Havon let's outsmart the Jews and this is what we should do to them. Because, as said before, even the opinion that holds that Chodesh Mamish, that he's actually a new king, it's impossible that he totally didn't know Yosef. And it has to be that he is ignoring everything that happened to Yosef. It can't be that he didn't hear anything about this man that saved all of Mitzrayim and so on. And the fact that he's giving all of these concerns, there are these yidn, they're multiplying, they're increasing, they're going to fight us. Even the Ben Chamesh Lemikra understands that there's no basis for this concern. Because it's in the nature of people that if you did them a favor, then clearly they're not going to act bad back against you. As the Rebbe is about to explain, certainly the yidn would not be trying to fight Paroi. And the Rebbe says, we saw this earlier already in the Torah by Avram and Avimelech. Because of a certain favor that Avimelech did to Avram when he said to him, Hini lufanecha, my land is in front of you. Avram swore that he's going to do goodness and kindness to Avimelech, and not only to him, but to his children, grandchildren, to the land that he's in, etc., etc. So to in our case, Yidin knew about all of the good conduct that Paroi, how he had behaved to Yosef and the Bnei Yisrael up until now. Paroi had taken Yosef out of prison. He made him the Mishnah Lamelech. He gave him, he appointed him into the highest position that no one could raise a hand or a foot without him. According to Pari's orders, Yidin got the best part of the land in the land of Goshen. So it's quite obvious that Melech Mitzrayim and his people also understand that even a generation later, the Yidin are not suddenly going to be ungrateful and try to fight the Egyptians. And therefore, when they are saying Pen Yirbe, in case they are going to increase and fight us and all of that, that's clearly only an excuse and in truth, the reason for all of these gzairis is only coming because of Pari's wickedness. Here is where the question comes in. What was the main rishas? What was the main wickedness of Pari? Was it more of an Adam Lamokim between man and Hashem, between him and Hashem, a sin to Hashem? Or was it mainly Ben Adam Lachaveri between him and the Yidin? And this is what's being hinted by Rashi telling us that these two opinions were said by Rav and Shmuel, as we will explain just now. Says the Rebbe, the Gemara tells us, that when it comes to matters of what's called Isur Veheter, 
questions of what's forbidden and so on. The halacha is like Rav. When it comes to monetary cases, the halacha will be like Shmuel. What's the reason for this? So the Rishonim explain that even though, of course, a Rav also paskened in monetary matters, and of course, Shoyel, Shmuel also dealt with cases of Iser Veheter, of things that are uh, forbidden or permitted. Nevertheless, Shmuel was mainly involved in Dine Mominus. He mainly paskened Dinim and Halachas between people. And that's why that was more of his expertise. He got into those things much more deeply. On the other hand, Rav, his expertise were more in the area of Iser Veheter, and therefore the Chachamim relied more on him. That was his expertise in Iser Veheter. So in other words, Rav again is mainly involved in that, and therefore he's going to be much more careful and examine these cases much more. He's much more into it, so to speak. That's his field of expertise. And by Shmuel, that's mainly in the dinim of monetary cases. Says the Rebbe, this idea of Isuri and Dini, or Mamoina, is really the difference between Ben Adam Lamakim and Ben Adam Lachaveri. Isur Veheta, the things that are most, in Yadam of Isur Veheta, we're referring to things that are Ben Adam Lamakim. Whereas Mamoinois, monetary matters, are going to be the things Ben Adam Lachaveri. And therefore, says the Rebbe, when it comes to a matter that could be looked at, in two ways, either Ben Adam Lamakim or Ben Adam Lachaveiroi. Rav is the one that's going to be more looking at things from the perspective of Ben Adam Lamakim. Shmuel, on the other hand, that focuses more on monetary things, is going to be the one focusing more on that aspect of it and Ben Adam Lachaveiroi aspect of it. To translate it now in our case, when we say Melechadosh, if we don't say that it means an actual new king, but rather it's the very, very same king, then the wickedness that's being expressed is mainly not so much between him and Hashem, but it's going to be more between man and his fellow. Towards Hashem, Pari could sort of have some sort of excuse why he's using all of his authority in this particular way. Yaakov Avinu himself gave him the honor of a king, both when he comes and leaves. He, he, he expresses, he, he, he treats him as a king. He accepts his rulership. And therefore, According to his opinion, he could say, look, I have the right to be the absolute ruler over here and I can make whatever decrees I like. However, Ben Adam Lachaveira, in connection to Bnei Yisrael, and specifically the children of Yosef, this excuse could not come along to justify his decrees. Since he is the same king that his very own friend Yosef did so much good, so much kindness for him, so therefore the rishos, the wickedness, Ben Adam Lachaveira, is a much, much greater one. Says the Rebbe, but if we say that it's actually a new king, Chodosh Mamash, that Yaakov never showed him the respect of a king, and that the reason why he came to rule over the Bnei Yisrael, the Yidin had come to Mitzrayim. He was not their king then. Rather, he became a king later. So they never came into his territory. They never accepted him willingly as the king. So therefore he cannot excuse himself so much, so to speak, to Hashem, of why he's making all of these, cre- these decrees. So therefore, to the, to, towards Hashem, it's going to be a much bigger Aveira in a certain sense. Whereas to Bnei Yisrael, Ben Adam Lechaveira, you can't say the wickedness is as great, because he's a Melechadosh, he never, he's a new king, he never had to do with Yosef, he never benefited personally from these kindnesses of Yosef and so on. 
says the Rebbe, therefore we can now understand, since the Torah is mainly coming to express the rishos, the absolute cruelty of Paroi, the wickedness, the evil of Paroi, so Rav that usually looks at matters, Ben Adam Lamakoim, he is going to say that the Ben Adam Lamakoim aspect is a much greater one over here. His wickedness, Ben Adam Lamakoim, is a much greater one. And therefore he says it's actually a new king, and therefore what's his excuse to go and make all of these terrible decrees against the Eden? On the other hand, Shmuel, who's mainly dealing in Dine Mominus and Ben Adam Lachaveroi, he says that it's more, more a matter between man and his fellow, and therefore he says, no, it's the same king. And he's the same king that benefited from Yosef, and yet he's doing such terrible decrees. In other words, his Ben Adam Lachaveroi is much worse. Says the Rebbe, based on this, we could also understand why Rashi brings the name of Rav and Shmuel in the other two Machloikasen that are mentioned earlier in the Torah, and they are, number one in Parshas Vayeshev, in the story of the wife of Petifar. And that is, in Parshas Vayeshev, clearly it's the other way around. The Torah is trying to bring out what kind of great tzaddik Yosef is. Both before the story, where we speak about, and also in the continuation of the story. The Pasuk says, Petifar appoints Yosef over his whole house, and he gives him everything that he has over there, and he leaves everything in his house, up to Yosef. And that he leaves it all to Yosef's discretion and so on and so forth. And then the Pasuk speaks about how the wife of Petifer lifts her eyes, raises her eyes, and Yosef refuses her again and again. And he says, how can I do all of this terrible, this terrible sin, etc. She keeps on trying to convince him and he doesn't listen to her day after day. So that's beforehand. Also afterwards, the way the Torah describes how Yosef tears away and runs away from the wife of Petifer. So clearly we're trying to bring out how great Yosef is. So here we have a machloikas in the pshat, and the machloikas is going to be, is it malachtoi mamish, was he simply coming to do work, or did he come to do something with her? Says the Rebbe, it's again going to be the same idea, or according to Rav, that his main idea is to focus and to emphasize areas of being adam lamokim, so we would have to say clearly that he's coming to do work. He's clearly not coming to do an Aveira, to do an Aveira with her. And, and this, as would sound from the words of Ein Ishmael and Shabbai, you may try to apply, imply that he was coming to do something, but of course not. He would never do something as, as such an Aveira. Because then clearly he would be doing this Aveira, and that would clearly be against Hashem. However, according to Shmuel, who mainly emphasizes the monetary aspect and things, Ben Adam Lachaveroi, says the Rebbe, why is he coming into the house when there's no one there to do his needs with her? Because in this, at this point, if there's no one home, there's no one around, that means right now he doesn't have a job to fulfill for Poitifar who appointed him over all of the affairs of the house. So there's no one home right now. So there's no work for him to do. So in Adam Lachaveri, as far as monetary concerns, Yosef is completely clean over here, and that's the point that Shmuel is trying to emphasize. And that's why he says that Malachtoi actually means that he came to do something with her. We also had the story of Aita Eishel. Eishel, what did we say? And Rashi tells us also about Rav and Shmuel. One says that it means a orchard to bring fruits to the guests at the meal, and the other one says that it means an inn in which had all of the different aspects of the food. Says the Rebbe, it's quite obvious that an inn 
for people to stay in and have all of these types of fruit, clearly that's going to be a better benefit and a better advantage than an orchard that only has fruits. So that's the Benadam Lechaveri. That's the second opinion. However, when we look at the idea of Vayita Eshel, and, and we say that it's a parnis, of orchard to bring fruits, says that Rebbe Ben Adam Lamokoim, here something more powerful comes out. Because here there's a Ben Adam Lamokoim also from Avram himself. The Rebbe says, Bemekolshkein from Vayove Kayin, Meprio Adamam Mincholashem. Now, the truth of the matter is, I'm not a hundred percent clear the, why here it's more being Adam Lamokim. I think what the Rebbe is saying, possibly, is that in the case of having an in and all of these other things, not necessarily it's taking from Avram Avinu himself as much work and exertion and so on, as much as is when he has to himself go plant the trees and the fruit and so on and so forth. And since he is doing this all, of course, to bring people closer to Hashem, so the Beinadam Lamokim aspect over here is more in his own effort and what he's doing, Beinadam Lamokim. Possibly, maybe there's another explanation, but we'll move on. Says the Rebbe, in this case also, Rashi brings in these places, Rashi brings the names of the one who said it. And in fact, we, he chooses Rav and Shmuel, not as we said, where the Gemara says it's other opinions, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Nechemia, because this will help us understand the advantage of why each one is saying what they're saying. In summary again, the Rebbe's way of learning now where Rashi brings Rav and Shmuel is going to be in the places where, again, one of them, Rav, is always focusing on the Ben Adam L'Mokim aspect, and Shmuel is focusing the Ben Adam L'Chaveri aspect. Says the Rebbe the Hayra from this Rashi for these days. There are some people that argue which means we have connections in the government, in the house of the king, and so on. We have an old friend, we have a new friend, and therefore, if even there's a gzeira chas v'shalim, we don't, you don't have to be afraid, even though, and even if it's things that they're trying to decree, which is opposite of the Torah, we have to fulfill it, because we're avodim for paroi, even if we're avodim for paroi, we're building peace on instead of serving the Abishter to learn Torah ba'asmada eshkid and do mitzvahs be'idu or b'chol d'rachach well, these people say, well, we're living in a Mitzrayim, we're living in the best of the land, we need to give in to these decrees, we need to listen to the goy. Says the Rebbe, we need to know that there's absolutely no difference, whether it's a melachodesh, whether it's a new king, whether it's an old king and an old friend, whether he's speaking in one particular style or a different style. If he's a Melech Mitzrayim. Or what does Mitzrayim mean? Mitzrayim means Mitzrayim Yisrael, those that try to distress Yidin and Yiddishkeit. They try to cause Tzaris to Yiddishkeit. Then we need to remember that this is all part of the plot of Hava Nishak Moloi. This is all part of the Yitzhahara's plots and ideas. And that the, even the kindness of what the Goyim seem to be claiming to do is really Chatos, is really for negative reasons. And therefore the conduct rather has to be like the Miyaldes or Evriyas, like the Jewish midwives in Golas Mitzrayim, who went exactly opposite of Gzairas Pari. Pari decreed, all the boys that are born should be thrown into the Nile, and let all the girls live. Which what this means, it says the Rebbe, as we discussed many times, to throw the children of Mitzrayim into all the Inyanim that are the Avoidah of Mitzrayim. As it's known that the Yoyr, the river, was the Avoidah of Zorah of Mitzrayim. What that would mean in our case is, the Avoid Zara being, whether it's money, whether it's high positions, and so on and so forth, try to throw the children into that sort of mindset and that sort of education, till Rahman al-Itzlan to drown not only the Yiddish Guf, but even the Yiddish Neshama. So too, V'chol Abbas is also part of the Gzeira. In other words, to give life and to educate 
the girls in the spirit and the lifestyle of Mitzrayim, which again means those that are causing distress and problems to Yidin and Yiddishkeit, come along the Jewish midwives and they stand against the Gzeira. They do everything necessary that more Yiddish children should be born and they should get a proper Yiddish Chinuch. And, and although, of course, we have to act in Derech HaTeva, we have to try to, in certain cases, speak with the Goyim, etc. But it has to be in the way of Moshe Rabbeinu, the way Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to Pari. Yes, it's true, he gives all the honor, which Pari deserves, but at the same time, he comes with a staff, with a stick of Hashem in his hands, meaning he comes with Yiddish strength, with Yiddish pride, not to feel oneself completely lower and down in front of the guy, and certainly not to hide one's Yiddishkeit. And through this attitude of not taking into consideration all of the Xeris of the country, those that are not in accordance to Yiddishkeit, and we dedicate ourselves completely for a holy chinuch of all Yiddish children, this is the way we set up the Tzivus Hashem. Healthy Yidin, Begashmiyas and Beruchniyas Gam Yochad, which this brings the Geuloha, Mitis Vashleima, of Klau Yisroel, Aide Mashiach Tzedkeinu, Bekarev Mamash.